Today we continue on with uh, a bit of the story of the Old Testament character of Jacob, but it's not about Jacob. J Jacob is not the main character. God is the main character. God is at work, and God has a plan of using Jacob for far more than Jacob, but for all that God has in store. And so we come to a, a place in chapter 32 where there's a, a fairly familiar story about Jacob and his wrestling with God. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, a portion of Genesis 32, beginning at verse 22, going to 32. And uh, you can follow along on your tablet or a phone. Uh, the words are going to be up here. Brad's going to click them along the way. As we read, there's about four or five slides. Uh, and we'll talk about the story and how this story is part of God's big story. And in that story, we have our wrestling matches with God, too. So I invite you to join with me by standing either in your heart or physically before God as we hear these words from the book that we love. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, Because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. God's very word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Norman Rockwell once painted a trilogy of pictures of a young woman. The first looked uh, something like this. It's a young woman getting ready for a date. She's getting all dialed up. She's looking at a rose on her desk, and she's dreaming of what could be. There is a second picture, and I couldn't find it, uh, but a second picture of her marrying this young man she went out on the date with. 
and she's going to her cottage and it has that little, you know, that little cloud, you know, like what they're thinking of, and she's thinking of that cottage. And then there is a third picture of her washing dishes, hair in disarray, children draped around her legs, and her husband lounging in the other room. And she is dreaming of that day of the first picture when she had all these dreams of what could be. Life doesn't always turn out the way we had hoped for or the way we had planned. Sometimes Norman Rockwell captured it well about what life is like. This is one of my favorite Norman Rockwells. She got into a scuffle out on the playground and I think she won. And there's something good in, in her, right? Something good in her face that she has wrestled and she has won. But there's another picture of Rockwell's that might depict our life at times. Real life and the wrestling that we have. The real life that comes when you have a doctor's visit and it turns south because something unexpected had turned up and you didn't see it coming. Of a child that you loved and provided for that has seemed to turn their back on you and on God and you didn't see that coming. Or you could put your own story in there because we all have our stories. We do, don't we? We all have our stories. Times in which life took its U-turn and you just didn't see it coming. Maybe it's the road that you were on that turned sour and you began on that road to question God, or maybe it was even more than that, and you felt that it was more of a wrestling match with God. And you yourself have experienced that tenth beatitude. Blessed is the one who wrestles with God and cries uncle. Wrestling with God leaves one exhausted, but it's also important way of how we become authentic. A way that God changes us that can happen no other way than through that wrestling. That kind of wrestling in which you have not abandoned God or turned from him, but you cling to him and say, I will not let go. I will not let go. Such has been Jacob's struggle. He was on his way in this chapter, Genesis 32, on his way to see brother Esau, who hated him. Ever since Jacob lost that wrestling match in the womb of his mother, and he came out second to his brother Esau, who came out first, Jacob has been trying to carve his own future to shape his life the way that he wanted it to be. Conniving, swindling, and looking for that thing that was eluding him. Something that only God can give. So here, on the one side of the river, he wrestles with God. And maybe to obtain that thing that's been missing in his life. 
more than a blessing on him, a blessing on his lineage, and a blessing to the world. What Jacob found in wrestling with God changed his life and made him more open to how God can use him in the great big picture that God has of this world. So let's look at this story, but first of all, just a reminder of the background of Jacob's life. Jacob did not have a positive track record. He spent his lifetime trying to exert his will over others. Jacob, little heel grabber, that's what his name means, pictures his outlook of life, tripping people up, deceiving, conniving, waiting for their fall, all so that he could get his way. He stole his older brother's birthright, the promise that had been given to their grandfather, Abraham. He robbed a blessing from his father, Isaac, and then he ran, never to see beloved people again. And he wandered around as a nomad, and he has a track record of shattered family relationships. All what he thinks is the pursuit of his way, thinking that he was smart enough, fast enough, clever enough, But as we get to the story, he realizes there's something that's been missing, something that he cannot achieve on his own. Part of his failing, part of his family of origin, is with his uh, uncle Laban, his mother's brother. It's where his mother, Rebecca, sent Jacob to save his life because Esau was out to kill him. And there Laban was as conniving as Jacob, and there Jacob met his match. Laban had two daughters. One just won the Miss Syria beauty contest, and the other was a muscular sprinter who had just participated in a Iditarod. And of course, Jacob wanted the Miss Syria, right? And so Jacob agreed with Laban that he would work for Laban for seven years to get Miss Universe, only to find out on his wedding night, surprise, surprise, surprise. Instead of getting a Jennifer Aniston, he got a German shot putter. And he found out that he had to work seven more years to get the woman that he loved, Rachel. Now, he was outwitted, but Jacob had his turn as well. He was so upset about the great wife swindle that when the time was right, he took Uncle Laban's cows and goats and put his own brand on them and snuck away during the night with Uncle Laban at his heels. And then, as he's running from Uncle Laban, Brother Esau, Esau came a-calling. 
the one that he stole a birthright from. And Esau made a promise that when their father died, he would kill Jacob. And that's how Jacob left Esau. So to try to appease Esau, who he hasn't seen for 20 years, try to soften him up, he sends Esau gifts of donkeys and oxen to try to soften his heart. And then he sends his family, his two wives, their two maidservants, and his 11 sons out ahead of him because he is going to come and meet Esau behind them, right? He's going to try to soften him them up, get Esau so he will have a tender heart, and if it doesn't work, Jacob's at the end, and he can flee, and he can escape. He's got this all planned out again, the little conniver going to use his family. This is not a Hallmark movie family. And this is not a Hallmark movie. He has been spending his life tripping people up, exerting his will over others. And now he must face the consequences of his past and his biggest fear. And after sending these gifts and his family on ahead across the river, Jacob spends the night alone. I mean, really alone. Nothing of his is there. This place is a place of honesty. It's a place where he will wrestle with God. You know, we can't run away from our future. It goes right with us wherever we go. Can't escape it can't run away from our past. It goes with us wherever we go. We need to deal with the past. So he dials up God on the phone, not expecting what would show up. Who was this that showed up that Jacob had this wrestling match with? Was it an angel? Was it the Son of God himself? Doesn't say. We don't know, but we know somehow that this person is connected with Father God, and they wrestle through the night, and the dawn breaks, and Jacob's opponent must leave, but Jacob will not let him go. Worn and beaten from a lifetime of going his own way, And after a night of being body slammed over and over by this man of God, Jacob holds on to his opponent for life. Why? Because something's missing. Something's been missing. Something he could never steal, connive, or swindle any other way. the core of our lives, we know that there is a blessing that we want. A blessing from God that cannot come in our own power. And I've been thinking, what is exactly that blessing that we want? When we ask God to bless us, what is that? 
what are we really hoping for? Is it that we want to lay our plan in front of him and get his okay? Or is it something more? Something of God that we want in us? In wrestling with this passage, I don't know the answer. But at least maybe I have a place to start. How's that? What is this blessing from God that Jacob is wrestling for and that we wrestle for? When we want that blessing, what could that be? Maybe here's a place to start. Maybe understanding our identity and understanding that we have value to God. That God values us. Maybe this is how it plays out. When we wrestle with God, we never leave the wrestling match the same. Whatever that is that you're wrestling, it will always change you. One of the things that it changed for Jacob is that it did give him a new identity. God wanted him to look at himself differently. Can you imagine going through life with the name Jacob? Well, someone can. But going through life knowing that people look at you as a deceiver, not that our Jacob is that at all. But to know that this is how people look at you, this is your identity, and to know that that's going to be changed. Still hanging on to this man, he refuses to let go. And he asks, what is your name? And the reply back is simply Jacob. That's who he is. And the man says, you will no longer be called Jacob. You will now be called Israel because you have wrestled with God and with humans and you have overcome. How would you like that for a name? You have wrestled with God and humans and you have overcome. He was given a name that was going to shape his future and the future of his descendants and the future for us. Because when we encounter God, he gives to us new names. When we see Jesus for who he is, the one who died for the forgiveness of our sins, and we thank him for dying for our sins and rising to give us new life, when we encounter Jesus as he is, he gives us a new name. Daughter. Son. Beloved. Child. The one that he would give his life for. Oh, that he did give his life for. When we encounter God whether that's through a wrestling match or whether that's coming to Jesus and understanding exactly who he is as God's son and our savior. Uh, he gives us a new identity. We start to see ourselves in a new light. And part of that new identity, at least for Jacob, and, and I think for us too, is a, a new pain Jacob was reminded for the rest of his life of this encounter with God, this wrestling match. 
a limp. He would walk with a limp for the rest of his life because this man of God threw his hip out of socket. Jacob had been given the blessing that he most needed and most wanted, but it would come with a lifetime of pain. I think what that's saying is that when we really get down and do business with God, we can call that a wrestling match. When we do business with God, that changes us. We never leave him the same way. Which is interesting because in the Old Testament, when you went into the temple to worship, you were instructed to enter in one gate and leave out of another one. Why? Because when you meet God, you don't leave the same. There's something different. There's a change. Here would be a reminder to Israel that he neither won nor lost, but now he had limitations. He can't do things that he did before. He needs to rely on others more, and he needs to rely on God more. He is frail. He is incapable of doing the things that he longs to do on his own. He's lacking, and he needs help. It's a reminder that he needs God's help. The blessing also comes when we see our weakness, our frailty, and our shortcoming. Because it teaches us to yield to the will of God. And that often comes with pain. Maybe it's emotional pain. Maybe it's the pain of knowing that we can't do the things we want to. Maybe it's the pain that we have to rely on others. But it's something that leads us to knowing that we need God's help daily. And that's what a limp does for us. It reminds us that we need him daily. A blessing brings something else, too. It brings a new perspective. Chapter 32 runs into chapter 33, obviously, but 33 is the follow-up of what happens when Jacob meets Esau. The story goes that after the wrestling match, Israel crossed the river, and he gets in front of his family. The plan was he was going to be behind his family, right? So he had an escape route. But he has wrestled with God, and he has been changed, and he goes to the front. And he meets his brother Esau before his family. And it says he bows down to Esau seven times which in the ancient days was how you greeted a king, your ruler. And when you bow down before someone, what are you exposing? Your neck. And it was understood as you're exposing your neck, as you're bowing down, this person has authority over you, this person has the authority to take your life. And that is what Jacob is saying. You can take my life. This is a different guy. This has been a changed person. He is not trying to connive or steal or trick something out of Esau. 
He has met God and he is not the same. And he has yielded his will to God's will. He has changed. He's still going to have ups and downs in his life, like we're going to see next Sunday. He's still going to show favoritism amongst his sons, which brings more havoc into his hallmark family. He's been changed. He's heading in a new direction and he has a new perspective. And I think for us, it gives us a renewed perspective as well. A renewed perspective in two ways as we reflect on this part of Jacob's story and we ask, so what does that mean for us? How does this story impact us? I think it renews our perspective in a couple of ways. First, it reminds us that God has a great big story and God has a purpose. And God is fulfilling his purpose in the world. The great big story is that God created humanity perfect in the image of God placed humanity, our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden to care for it, to till it, to watch over it. But sin entered humanity and our first parents rebelled. And sin entered all of humanity. And with sin, death. This week I went to two funerals. One was a funeral of a 95-year-old great-grandmother. One was of a former staff member of mine who was 58. For all of us, whenever we go to a funeral, whenever we go to a funeral home, there's something in all of us that says, this is not right. This is not how God designed us to live. And reminds us that this great big story of God is more than just a story out there. It's a story right here in our lives that we live through. So when I share part of that great big story that sin entered the world and so did death, we know it because it has entered our lives too. But God chose to rescue fallen humanity. And he would do that by going to a broken person by the name of Abraham. And through Abraham's family line, he would bring a blessing to the nations of the world, culminating in his son, Jesus, who would be born in that family tree. And he made his promise that he was going to rescue all out of the garden and to all of the nations, and to all of the people that was said to Abraham, as many stars are in the sky, so will be the reach of the Father through you. God promises to be faithful to his big story, to his big purpose. I don't know about you, but recently it seems to be hard to come to grips with how can God be doing his purpose and what's going on around here. But yet that's the call of faith, right? 
that God has promised his purpose. The God is not caught off guard. The God is still at work. God is not someone who is simply on his throne in heaven, looking down on us and seeing what humanity is doing. God is in heaven on his throne, busy and active and working and still fulfilling his plan and purposes. I think part of the renewed perspective is that God is faithful to his plan, and part of that plan is that he draws us into that family tree as a daughter, as a son. I think that's part of the renewed perspective, is that this story reminds us that God has done this great big story to reach each and every one of us to draw us into his family. And I think, secondly, uh, that God not only has a great big plan for this world and humanity, but God has a plan for each and every one of us. The God never fails in his promise, including his promise to bring Messiah King. And through Jesus, Father God has brought blessing into our lives and purpose for all, each of us. And that blessing that we are pursuing, he has given to us in Jesus. And he's given us value. That we are of worth to him. He has said to us in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will perform it until that day. He who began a good work in you, part of his big overall purpose is the plan he has for you, and you, and you, and you. He will fulfill it in that day. Sometimes we don't always feel that we have that purpose or that plan that God has given to us, and we need to keep going back to the scripture, to finding, being reminded that he does. The end of the shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23. You can probably say it with me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's a great chapter, great verse. That word follow is an interesting. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Uh, we could think that that's just talking about a tag along, right? It's going to just follow along the way. You know, it's, it's rather, the blessings are, the goodness and mercy are just kind of passive, you know, it's back there, sort of like a little puppy dog kind of following us along the way, you know. But that's really not what that word means. The word follow in Psalm 23 is the word to actively pursue. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue us, will hunt us, hunt us down. Not only is God that big hound of heaven who pursues us, but his blessings pursue us too. They're on track for each of us. So there's something good about wrestling with God. We don't always enjoy those wrestling matches. But there's something good about getting a good body slam from God to feel his solidness press up against you and to know 
that he's got some blessings in store. That he's got this great big purpose in this world. And part of this great big purpose is a purpose that includes each and every one of us. So whatever your wrestling match is, don't just walk away from it. God invites us to engage with him. Could we say that Jesus ever had a wrestling match with Father God? What was Gethsemane? What was that? Wrestling with God and what he knew was in store and God's plan. I think he wrestled with God. And God used that wrestling match to bring him to the other side for our blessing. And I think that can be an encouragement to us that our wrestling with God, he brings us out on the other side too with his blessings waiting in store and coming through that match. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, how we bless you and we thank you that you do not abandon us, you do not forsake us, but that you, over our lifetime, have pursued us. And your blessings pursue us. And we just thank you that in your great big plan of this world that you have included us. That we know that your son offered himself on the cross for each of us. That we might respond in, in faith and love to you. And Father, we, we just acknowledge that uh, our world desperately needs you and desperately to, needs to know of your love and your grace and your mercy and the new life that your son brings. And at times we just don't know how to pray. So we just pray for the Prince of Peace the Prince of Peace to come, bring his way. We pray, Lord, for safety, security. We pray, Lord, for uh, protection, for care, for healing and restoration. For not just individuals, but people and people groups and nations that are hurting, we uh, lift them to you to pray for your best. And Father, in this world, we pray for your, for your church and for your institutions and organizations that have sprung from your church into your kingdom. And uh, today and this week, we lift up ASJ in their work of bringing justice and proclaiming peace not just in Honduras, but in other nations of the world. We pray that you will bless their leaders, that you will protect them, that you will surround them with the blood shield of Jesus, that the arrows of the evil one will not hit them, will not hurt them, 
So we lift up the leaders and those who are serving and working faithfully. And we pray that you will bless the work of their hands as they work at bringing divine justice into this world. We pray for uh, those in our networks and those in our family who uh, are in need of you. We join with the Garrens in praying for a nephew, nephew who is moving, a nephew who uh, needs uh, godly people to surround him. We pray for your provision for him and um, the special needs that he has that you will bring the right people to bring care and goodness into his life. We pray for little Calvin Quinlan and we thank you for a successful surgery that he had on his heart on Monday and we pray that you will bring the recovery that he needs. We pray that he will be able to go home well and that you will continue to uplift and care for Shauna and that you will continue to care and lift up Kaylin. We pray, Lord, for uh, Sue's family, and especially for Danielle as she struggles with her different illnesses. We pray, Lord, that you will make your presence and your peace known to her. We pray for families that uh, are in need, families that are hurting, families that have had wrestling matches with you. And we just lift them to you for your care and your provision and for your love. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to bring the healing that uh, Gail needs from her surgery. We bless you that your care and provision has been with her. We pray that you will be with Pastor Mary as well, that you will bring the healing that she needs from her surgery, but also with the uh, bout with colitis that she had this week, that you will bring some restoration and healing to her body. We pray for Pam and Joe and David, that you will provide for their needs and that you will bless them in their homes that they have. We join with Ken and praying for his friends and family, and especially for his sister, who has a special need. And so we join with Ken in praying for his sister today and this week. For Guinevere and for her pregnancy, as we have prayed for other pregnancies, we pray for hers too. And we pray that you will keep her and the babies safe and well. Protect them, watch over them, and when your timing is there, to bring a safe delivery. We pray for your church. We pray for our leaders and for uh, the wisdom that we always need from you. We thank you that uh, you've been at work in the lives of our people, and we thank you that uh, on this day that Jonathan met with some of us to profess his faith and to share the difference that you have made in his life. We pray that you will continue to bless him and lead him, and we look forward to his uh, public profession in the near future. We pray for our interview with a uh, worship director candidate that will take place on Tuesday. We pray, Lord, that you will give to us uh, open and honest conversation together that we can know each other's hearts. 
Be with those from the worship team and elders and the search team as we talk with the candidate and uh, hear each other's stories and share each other's hearts and passions and a love for you and love and worship. We pray, Lord, that you will uh, lead us and guide us in this Thanksgiving season, that we can indeed follow the advice of your word to count our blessings, for there are many, and there are so many we can't even fill a book. I mean, there's not a book big enough uh, that would contain them all. So great is your love for us. So as best we know how, we offer ourselves to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.